Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. This time I am speaking to Shabby Osa. Shabby is a Spanish athlete who has competed for the last two years in the upper extremity adaptive division at the Games. But Shabby is not content with that and is pushing himself and his peers to constantly challenge themselves. Most recently he competed on a team in Madrid and now he is aiming at Wadapalooza, but not in the adaptive competition. He's got a lot to say. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. So today with me on the podcast, I have Shabby Osa. Good afternoon and welcome to the podcast, Shabby Osa. You are the fifth fittest upper extremity adaptive athlete in the world. Am I correct? Yes. Hey, <laughs> hey, mate. We first met in an airport this summer and uh, it's been, I really wanted to talk to you. When I was at the Games, I didn't get a chance to do anything except watch the elite athletes doing their thing, which I think is a real shame because... You guys were smashing it at the same time as all the other competition was going on. So I would love to talk today about your career in the sport and how you got into CrossFit, what you're doing now and the future as well. So where should we start? Should we start with who you are and where do you come from? So tell me a bit about your background. Where are you from? So I'm from a part in Spain in the north called the Basque country or the Basque region. We speak another language. It's a really interesting place. Our culture is really different from other places in Spain, but I think we're really known for eating. Like food here, it's great. Culinary scene. It's a really special place, I think. So I'm from a town, coastal town called Leva. I live in Mallorca and the Basque country is spoken about as if it's some sort of culinary heaven. Like, oh, he's a chef from the Basque country. Woo! It's like it's like the most the best thing you can be as far as the Spanish are concerned. It's like you are the tip top in food. I haven't been to the bus country, but I'd I'd like to visit just to eat my way around the the region. <laughs> We're also known for the rain, uh, but <laughs> it is the north. It it does rain, but I think it's a beautiful sight because you have the mountains in front of the of the ocean and uh, Mallorca. It's pretty great, I know, but uh, here it's it's beautiful also because we have. We are really connected to nature. You can go for a swim and then an hour later you can go hiking. It's really nice. We have the same thing in Mallorca actually. And today we also have rain. So I don't really don't feel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't, don't feel like you're missing out on the weather at the moment, Shabby. So the Basque people are also really famous for being quite strong-minded and independent. Would mm, you say that yes. about yourself? Uh, I think that's that's true. I think that at least how I was like raised, like we do have our own, also like our own sports uh, called uh, Erikirolak, which is best for like town games. We do lift, we lift stones. I know there's CrossFit, but we've been doing this for, for quite a long time. <laughs> so Bass people are, are known for also their like toughness because we, like, our sports involve like lifting stones, canning, chopping wood, so we do have a, a long history with, with sports. Tell me the name for this, the town games again in, Span in Basque. It's called Erri Kirolak, 
which Eri it's town and Kirolak it's games. And what's the, and is the is the language bar, called Basque or is there another word for the language that you speak? It's called Basque, yes. Eri Kovac. Kirolak. Kirolak. Eri Kirolak. There you go. Okay, I'm going to look that up later because that's perfect that you already were doing it before you put the, it's in your blood. Yeah, I, I'm making you speak a little like a lot of like language things today. Like, well, name, that's why it's name. important. Yeah, I think it's uh, that's why Europe is coming tries to do that. This podcast is supposed to be about European CrossFitters from all over Europe, so it's great to learn a bit about where you're from. So, how old are you, Shabby? I'm 30. And when did you start doing CrossFit? When did you find it? I started CrossFit almost five years ago. And how did you come across it? So I used to live in the US and there, towards the end of my time there, I started doing Strongman. I really like the vibes around training with other people mm. towards the same goal, like that community aspect. And I remember we, we used to train at a gym in a small town close to Baltimore. And coming from a bodybuilding background, because that's what I did before that, being me and me and me training with other people. Like it was like people getting excited about other people's progresses. And I was like, this is really cool. We are all helping each other get better, get stronger. So yeah, I did my, I, I competed in showman, did an open with people with two hands, with two legs. Like we, we say normal people and yeah. uh, loved it. <laughs> I love that. And I had to come back. I come back home. And I didn't have any gym where I could do strongman here, like that specific training. So I ended up going to a CrossFit affiliate close to my hometown. And I saw everyone doing like handstand walking, like Olympic weightlifting, climbing rows. And I was like, I really want to do that. Tried a class and I fell in love. Did you, right from the beginning, did you find that people were helpful with finding ways to adapt exercises for you yeah so that's what i i think what i love the most it's because for an adaptive athlete like starting the sport can be uncomfortable if people around you are not really willing to grow with you but i was lucky because i had a group with me who were always if i didn't come with a way of doing something i had people next to me saying wait a minute let's sit Let's analyze and let's see how you can do this. But because not doing it was never an option. Even if it went through my head, those people next to me, that group of people never gave up on me. So we always found a way. So I was lucky in that aspect. They sound like a really good crew. They have been amazing. And they have been so patient. And I'm so grateful because look, like we got here. Thanks. Not just thanks to me, like doing the work. But it was thanks to them who were there next to me when things get got tough and things may have seemed impossible. They were they helped me find a way. We should describe your lack of um, an extremity to, for the listeners so that they can understand what kind of challenges you face. Can you explain what makes you an adaptive athlete? So they had to amputate. Is the word? Yeah. Uh, part of my, most of my left arm. So I'm above the, the I do have the elbow side part. They had to jump with the, the rest and also three of my, the fingers on my right hand, which 
it's the most uncomfortable part because like my left, I, I have, I can grip, but my right hand is the biggest issue when it comes to, to training. So it's the biggest challenge, but people may see this as like maybe uh, something bad that happened to me, but I'm, I'm actually thankful because it taught me so much and, and it, it taught me to like face adversity no matter what. And that we are not what we don't have, but we are what we have and what we do with what we have. So I think I was born different and there's nothing wrong with being born different. It's just you're different and you should be, you should accept and be happy with who you are. And you never imagine how far can you get if you love who you are and if you use everything you have. Wow. That's so true for everybody, isn't it? That's a great, great attitude to life. I feel like you probably follow a lot of stoic philosophy as well, Shabby, if you know about that. So if you were, so you say you were, the, the, the limb was amputated, but was that when you were young or how did, did you start off with a limb or do you have to adapt or what happened? It was when I was born. My, it didn't develop, fully develop, so they had to amputate it. Same with my right hand. As a child, were you sporty? Were you encouraged by your parents? Or did you have that problem that a lot of people with physical issues have, which their parents get really protective of them and they, they don't want them to do anything that might put them at risk? Oh, no. My, I was raised with my dad and he was always like, hey, and I remember this. He told me once, I'm not going to be the excuse for you to say that you didn't get to where you wanted to get. Like, you want to surf? Go surfing. You want to go rock climbing? Go rock climbing. But if you want to do something in life, do it. And I was like, he was my biggest blessing because he never made me feel like I was less than the other kids or that I couldn't do the things that the other kids were doing. He was always supportive. And thanks to him, I'm, I think that I can say that, well, we tried everything. Like we tried all the sports and we can do everything. It's just, and that gave us such like so many life experiences that train like snowboarding, surfing, biking, everything, like everything that every challenge that like I faced, like it was like, go for it. You can do it. So I was really lacking that aspect. So you didn't ever have to deal with adversity or any kind of struggles it was always something that you felt that you could overcome or were there moments where you really had a problem with this I was lacking that aspect but in school it wasn't the same I always bullied other kids made fun of me and well kids are kids I don't justify all the insults and all the talk all the negative talk but in the end of the day it's it was a work that I had to do because those were lies what they were telling me that were lies. The truth was I was the owner of, of the truth. Like I, I had the power to determine who I was. And no matter the negative comments coming from outside, it's like, hey, you're not what they're saying you are. You are someone, somewhere, somebody else. So while most of the kids made fun of me, I also was lucky with my closest group of friends. And they were never, hey, they never asked me, hey, Shabby, can you go biking? They're like, we're going biking. That's it. And a lot of times I was like, hey, guys, uh, are you guys not seeing that I'm missing an arm? <laughs> I never expressed that to them, but I was like, I wanted to do everything. I didn't want to question or I didn't want to make them feel pity for me. So I never expressed like, hey, guys, maybe I cannot do this. No, no. Like We went for it. And despite all the negative comments, I did have something really good with me for me. 
which were my dad and, and my friends who never made me feel like I was less or that I couldn't do anything. And, and I think that mindset really stuck with me until today. Like there's nothing in life that I'm like, this is going to be impossible because I have experiences. I think I'm an expert of, on overcoming adversity. So no matter how tough it is, there is a way of doing, there is a way of adapting and overcoming everything in life. What would you say to somebody who was facing problems or things that they felt that they weren't able to overcome? What tips would you give somebody in order to kind of take the first steps towards figuring out the solution? I think the first step, and this may seem harsh or sound harsh, is that we need to stop victimizing ourselves. We need to take ownership of our lives. We cannot continue blaming the society or somewhere else for for where we are, or we need to take ownership of saying that, okay, I am here now, but I have the power. I have everything I need to get out of here. It may not be as much, but I have everything I need. And I need to focus all my energy on what I have, because this is going to take me out of this hole or this negative situation that I'm at. But the first step is stop victimizing yourself. Like I've never, that's how I did see myself as a disabled person, but I don't see myself as a disabled person because that means that I'm less able. And well, if I can handstand walk and a person with two hands and two legs cannot, am I disabled? No, I am handicapped. Yes. Because, well, I have a situation that makes made make it harder, but harder doesn't mean impossible. So I know a lot of people think it, think that they have the biggest problems in the world, that they are the only people in that situation, but, and that they don't have enough. And that's the problem that we just focus on everything we don't, but you have enough now. Be thankful for that and start working forward. Can you call me every morning, Chavi, and just give me a good kick up the butt before the day starts? Because I feel like... Just being around you, it must, you must be surrounded by really productive people. Like they're frightened of, of getting like, like, Xavi just told me not to feel sorry for myself. I've got to get on with it. <laughs> I'm a coach and I have my own affiliate and the people around me get it the most. I'm like, people come to me like, oh, I had a hard day or oh, it's like, oh, my, my leg hurts or oh, I'm sore. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> you may get away with those excuses somewhere else, but you're not going to get away from that with me and I may be harsh but I'm telling you it doesn't matter how bad your day was it matters now matters it matters that you come here you give everything you have whatever it is and that you leave this gym better than how you came and I don't care like I'm not sorry for anyone I'm never gonna be feel sorry for anyone I'm gonna be here though to help you get out of that situation because I appreciate you and I don't want to see you any one more minute feeling those negative feelings that you're feeling. So I'm going to say you a few words and like, hey, let's figure out. I'm going to listen to you, but let's figure out how to get out of here. First, you're in class. Let's get a great workout. Give me everything you have. You may not be your best, the best you've ever been, but give me everything you have now. Woo, okay. When do we start? <laughs> how long have you had an affiliate? When did you open it? Three years ago. And what's it called? It's called Anboto 
CrossFit, which is the highest mountain in this area, which is pretty fam- it's, it's a pretty famous mountain. That's very that's uh, perfect because you've got to climb a mountain as well, haven't you? <laughs> exactly. And our motto is like climb your peak. Yeah. We all have one. We have them every day. What matters is that we get up there. No matter what happens, that you face your, your heels and you get up there. So tell me a bit about an average day for you, Chevy. You've got training, you've got coaching, you're running a business. How does the day look? I wake up at, uh, it depends, because one week I, I do mornings and, and the other week I do like a couple of days, like in the evening. So when I, I'm in the morning, I open the gym at 6.15. So I wake up around 5.15. I read, I do my devotionals, I eat breakfast, and I go to the gym. I coach a couple of classes, and then I start training at around 8.30 in the morning until like 10.15, which I give another class. And then after that class, if I haven't finished the first session, that's when I finish. Usually, I leave the MathCon or the work, the what or after that class, because I don't want to rush it. I want to do it right. And then I go home, I eat, I rest a little bit. I take a siesta, like a good Spaniard, <laughs> <laughs> and then I go back at around 5.15 to get my second session. I come back home, eat, sleep, and repeat. Do you have a coach or are you training yourself? I do. I do have a coach. He's from uh, like the Barcelona area, north from Barcelona. And so you went to the games this year and you were at the games last year. Both times you finished fifth. Mm-hmm. Is that is it something that you're going to try and repeat again? Or are you have you proved enough to yourself now? Or are you still hungry to get onto the podium? I started, like, I was hungry for the podium. That's all I, I could think of in the beginning. But the games, as they are now, for at least for my category, I'm not going to speak for others, but I am doing things that a person considered that I can do, but I'm not doing everything I can do. We pretty much, I don't know, like, and I'm a bit frustrated because, you know, like you, it's not cheap to finance the games. You have to get like, you have to do t-shirts. You have a whole community having to support you. And then you go there and you're, all you do is dumbbell work and things with one hand. And I know that, like I was saying, my biggest issue is my, my right hand. So dumbbell work, it's always going to be hard for me. I know making excuses. I'm not saying that I'm not going to get better. I am getting better at it, but I train normal. Like I train barbell, I do handstand walks, I do muscle ups and going to Madison to do burpees and dumbbell snatches. It's frustrating because the other athletes, I need to wrap myself to the dumbbell. So I lose time every time I, I break set. Mm-hmm. So I cannot compete with guys who don't have to shut themselves because they're going to do it faster. So I made peace with getting fifth two times because I know that, well, like I have the power to determine what I can do, not someone else. And if someone else thinks that we can only do dumbbell work, well, that's great. I am going to enjoy being here in Madison, whatever the workouts are. My job is not to judge the workouts. My job is to do them here. So I'm just going to do them. And well, if we get fifth, well, we're going to analyze what we need to improve for next season. But I'm not going to stop training like a regular athlete because I'm never going to settle for what other people think that I can do. And that's why I went to Madrid in teams. I wanted to compete like a normal athlete, not being categorized by my physique. So, yeah, this year I was like, hey, enjoy it. You're in Madison. Not a lot of people get to be here. No. It's your second year. So 
it's where you belong. You've earned this, enjoy it. And at the end, let's see what we can do better for next year. And let's work on it. Tell me about Madrid, because I mean, I didn't realize that you were on a team until at the end of the weekend, because I was in Madrid for the Friday and the Saturday. And it wasn't until actually was like, I was back in Mallorca, I was like, shit, that's Chavi, and he's on a team. Like, I was so surprised to see you there. But of course, why shouldn't you be on a team? And I think that you were in a team with what you call normal <laughs> people. And you, you must have had a great time just like competing and throwing down next to all the rest of the teams. How was it? It was, it gave me that spark again. I didn't enjoy competing that much because I kind of knew that I was not going to be able to reach my full potential. Yeah, so you're kind of kind of limited. Limited, yes. But here it's like, I can do everything. I'm doing headstand push-ups. I'm doing warm work. I'm doing chest bars. I'm doing everything like other people. And I'm seeing that I can and that I can be competitive. So it gave me that motivation to compete again. And it made me the motivation to go in teams. I'm really thankful to their, and maybe individual too, thanks to the organization, like they were, hey, what do you need? A sandbag to do the handstand push-ups? We'll give you a sandbag, no problem. And they gave me everything I needed to adapt. Not to, I didn't ask for less. I'm never going to ask for less. If something, I'm going to ask for more. Like if you consider I need to lift, put more weight because I'm going to do it with one hand and with one double, give me more weight and I don't mind. But it was Amazing. I had the time of my life competing there in teams. RX, like standards were up there and I saw that I could compete. Did you have to do the handstand? There was a workout where there was a handstand walk over a ramp. No, that was for individuals. There was, it, was for, it was elite teams then, I guess. I, I did RX, so I didn't, we didn't get to do the ramp, which I'm sad because I can do the ramp and, and I love handstand walking. I've seen you do the ramp on Instagram. I was really impressed with you because you put like a worm out, don't you, to kind of like balance up the surface so that you, you can get across. I can't, I will never be able to handstand walk, Shabby, <laughs> with or without two hands. <laughs> Like, Why? Because I'm really scared of being upside down. <laughs> yeah, but like I tell people in class every day, like, and I have people from all walks of life, and and when they, I have a gymnastics class today, and and it's handstand walking, and and when I tell them like we're gonna practice handstand walks, and like people like people are like, why not? Why not you? Like if you don't do it, who's gonna do it? And I understand that there's steps to get there. I understand that first you may be afraid of being upside down. I understand. And that's totally fine. It's normal. Like how many times in life have you had to handstand walking? If it's your first month in CrossFit, right? But I'm going to give you the steps. I'm going to give you the tools to not be afraid of that. But let's go slowly. I'm going to walk with you, but I need you to walk with me. But I'm never going to let you say that you cannot do this. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I don't care. Like that's not impossible. Okay. And I've seen people be like, have come with those thoughts and they're like, I was able to be upside down. Maybe on a pike way, but I was upside down. So first step, great. Give me time, give, you, give yourself time, we're gonna do it. As I said, but you have to call me every morning. So how did you guys, apart from the handstand walking in the Madrid uh, championships, what else, what other workouts were there? Because 
Like give us a give the listener an idea about the events because you were literally doing everything that everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, we had a, a rope climb workout with the running. I don't know. There's a specific brand. I don't know how. Tor- no, whatever the the air like the air runner. There was one workout we, where we had to do I think 24 rope climbs, then run 1.4k, and then 24 and jerks and heavy double unders and i brought my own rope so that was one there was another one with burpees lunches and rowing which we did great i hate the rower it's the worst machine i don't know why people hate the assault bike and not the rower the rower is the worst <laughs> okay i'm going to give you a motivational talk now about the rower <laughs> go ahead <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to convince you what you can do is imagine that you're on a river it's going to be beautiful it's a sunny day, you're out there rowing, it's so much fun. And eventually you can get off, you know. But my legs are screaming something else. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the... Carry on. No, I'm saying the worst qualifier I ever did was a 3K row. And the first kilometer counted. So you had to go fast the first K. Oh. And then you had to carry for the two kilometers in the row. And I was like... <laughs> that, there were there was a lot of motivational talk in my head in that in those eleven minutes of my yeah. life and yeah. <laughs> anyways, but yeah, I loved every single workout in Madrid and the chest to bar one like 120 chest to bars synchro. I loved being there with my team and flying with them on the rack. I was sad that we didn't get to do muscle ups because I specifically worked on ring muscle ups for that competition. How does it work with your arm lengths? And so do you have like a gadget that you put on your arm to kind of even it up or how does it work? So I attach myself to my regular strap. What I do is I put it a little higher, a little bit higher. So when I'm down, I'm full extension. When I'm up, I'm going to go to one side more than the other. Okay. It's the best we, we found yet. It's a work in progress. But I was like, I can't even do ring muscle ups. Like, come on. That's why a lot of times when I'm like, even legless rope climbs, people might think it's impossible. I may have seen it as impossible, but like I did so many things. What I just have to find a way to do legless rope climbs. Because you've just, you're literally holding onto the rope with one hand at the moment, aren't you? One hand with two fingers, <laughs> three fingers. <laughs> one hand in my armpit. Like, okay. I'm hugging that rope like, like nothing. Like, <laughs> like it's your best friend. Yes. So that's really interesting that the organizers were able and willing to bring, allow you to bring in and, or place stuff so that you could compete on an even stage, or on the same stage as the other teams. What about the future for CrossFit competitions? Is there a way that more adaptive athletes could compete alongside non-adaptive athletes? Is that a possibility, do you think? We are already doing that. Next goal, it's Miami, it's Wurapalooza. We signed up as a team, and there's actually two teams. One team is lower, like lower extremity, and another team is my team. It's, we are the uppers, so our team is uh, hand solos. <laughs> and I'm super excited to go there, and hopefully we qualify as intermediate. But last year I was in Miami in the adaptive division, and I'm thankful for the organization and how they do it. But there's always something that we don't do. There's always a workout that they take. And the scaled teams, 
they they did everything. So that's I want to do everything. So even if in it's in the scale category, like let's do it. And there's a guy who doesn't have any arm. He's amputated like below the shoulder. There's me and there's another guy who's missing a hand. He has most of his arm, but so I wanted to find a team that between the three of us that we were able to do everything. So we're we are doing qualifiers next week. So I think the games are the games and that's the only way for now that we can qualify. But competition like Madrid, Miami, in if we can go there as teams and show the world that working together, three people who most like maybe society may think that what are these guys doing here? Like doing CrossFit, <laughs> competing. Like, well, let's show them that the three of us are going to do everything. Any challenge they throw at us, that we're going to do it. Come on, the uppers. I can't wait. Oh, really, that's brilliant. Lowers aren't that cool. <laughs> oh, I know. The uppers sounds better, to be honest. Well, you could call the lowers the downers. The downers. There you go. There you go. That's, <laughs> I'm going to save that. I'm going to call them. That's how I'm going to call them because they are also going to be like below us on the leaderboard. Ooh. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> We have a, how do you call it? A, a good rivalry? I don't say. Uh, yeah, a rivalry. Yeah. You talk shit. The, the less polite way would be to say you talk shit to each other. Exactly. And it's funny because like a lot of times we make jokes about missing a hand or whatever. And people look at us like, what did he say again? Yeah. Uh, but we are the ones who are like, we're always joking about ourselves. Like I was telling Victor, my teammate, give me ideas for team names or... Um, Talking to Omar, which is on, a, on the lower team and like talking trash, like it's amazing. We have so much fun. It's like, it's like you guys have found the perfect sport for yourselves as well, because it's like the whole premise of CrossFit is that it's scaled to everybody's abilities. And I don't, there's the adaptive say that adaptive, adapting is not scaling. And I think what a lot of adaptive athletes complain about is that it's not fair or, but that's the beauty of it is that it's not fair. And the beauty of adaptive, uh, the adaptive category is that you see people with less doing more. Like when I started, I was like, rope climbs, how am I going to do this? And then I go on Instagram and I see a guy with, on, with who's missing, I saw Victor who is missing almost all his arm doing it. And I was like, like, shut up, find a way. Uh, <laughs> so it's people seeing people with less, being people with more, like with more. And I find that beautiful. And that's why I don't want to go competing adaptive because there's always going, they're going to scale. They're not going to really adapt because we have to do the job of the work of adapting. Because what I asked Madrid was, wasn't to like take less, give me less weight or less meters or less reps. The only thing I asked was, Hey, can you give me an inchworm so I can do Hands the walks. Give me more length if you want. So I need to adapt to the workout. I have to, the goal is to do everything the same way as other athletes do. So don't scale. I'm going to adapt. You don't have to adapt anything for me. Yeah, I suppose I've used the wrong word there, haven't I? Because adapt is obviously the right word, not to scale. No, but like, I think what they do at the games, if there's a workout with a barbell, and then you give me a dumbbell. Then for me, you're scaling the mm. workout because the workout prescribed is not, it's a different stimulus. So you are scaling to me. And if the workout has, has two uh, jerry bags, those 
the ones yeah. they had to do. Why are you giving me one? You're scaling. You're taking it away. So I don't want you to scale. Like, give me two bags. I'll find a way to carry both. I'll find a way to do toast bars or muscle ups. Maybe I need two more minutes before the workout begins to strap it, like all my, but how more amazing. You were talking about this. You were watching the elite at the games and I will do the same because if I have Jacqueline Dalstrom lifting 140 kilo. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> why would I see Shabby doing burpees and, and double dumbbell snatches? Like, exactly. So, but imagine if I had like, okay, I have the elite doing samba cleans, but there's guys with one arm doing muscle ups and doing whatever, samba cleans too. That would be cool. That would be cool. And then maybe I'll, I would decide to, maybe I wouldn't miss the, the top 20 hit, but maybe I'm going to take a peek at what the adaptive athletes are doing because everyone can do dumbbell snatches with one hand, but not everyone can do handstand walk with one hand. And I want to see people, and that's why I go to watch the elites because I want to see people do things that I cannot, amazing things. I want to I want to see a show. So what I want is an opportunity to, to do that. I would like to say that if you do muscle-ups at the CrossFit Games, I will travel from one side of the world to the other to come and watch you do that. If we have a workout with toast ring or something, I'll, I'll start doing muscle-ups instead of toast rings. I think I'll piss yeah. people off. But. <laughs> <laughs> you, will be, you won't get a good score in that workout, but you'll probably make it onto YouTube. The worst that I do is fifth, so... <laughs> I mean, what do the other guys in your division think? I mean, do you have like chats with them? Have you got like a sort of a community that talks about this programming and the situation with your division of the sport? Yes. And I had this talk with the other athletes at the games. Like, hey, there's two guys who have two arms, two hands, and that's fine by me. We all can do barbell work. Why don't we tell the organizers that they should be putting barbell work? Well, the answer I got is, well, it's not fair for this athlete because he can only do overhead with one arm. It's like, well, if it's all dumbbells, it's not fair for me. But I think, and this is unfortunate, but so many athletes are looking for that podium that they will compromise all their selling on each other. Like, yeah, I can do everything. There's no impossibles. I'm a, a source of motivation for, but, but when it matters, I'm not seeing that mentality. you rather go to the podium than doing the best you can, like putting the biggest challenges for yourself. And that's why I stopped wanting the podium because I didn't want to compromise all the work for being on a podium at the games. I was like, hey, let's go to the games and whatever. Let's do whatever they throw at. But it's unfortunate, but so many athletes are looking for that number one, number two, and number three. And being honest, that podium in adaptive is never going to give you, no, nobody's going to remember that you are on the podium, that you are... Mm -hmm first, second or third adapt, fittest adaptive upper in the world. But people are going to remember that you were at the CrossFit Games and you were doing muscle-ups. Like, one kid is going to watch you because it's the biggest venue in the world for CrossFit. One kid is going to watch you at their home with their parents and they're going to say that. I want to be stronger than that person, like that person. You're going to, one kid who was born different, who thinks that, they will never get anywhere in life. It's going to watch you do something amazing. And you're going to make that person take that mentality out and go crush it. But you're, we're never going to get there if we are looking for a podium at the games as it is now. Because you're going to be doing dumbbell snatches and burpees. And you can do so much more. You really can. I, the other thing that may like prevents a lot of people, including myself, from actually seeing any of the 
adaptive athletes competing was that that you're always put alongside other competitions and other parts of the energy center so it's in, from my point of view it was impossible to go to watch because I was taking pictures of the guys from the program I think as not just for the adaptive uh, divisions but also for all of the masters and the teens they're also not getting this the visibility and attention that they deserve hmm, exactly and I get I get it and last year a lot of athletes were upset because maybe their category wasn't included because there's a lot of adaptive categories. And like, guys, we need to understand that all these other age group divisions have been here for years and they were competing in the warehouse and we are given the opportunity to be competing at the Coliseum, at the field. So it's the first year. Let's take what we have now. Let's enjoy this. And I understand that it's hard to watch everything because you have two venues and you have to pick because you cannot be watching CrossFit all day. You need some rest. And, yeah. But I get it. Like The elites are the ones who people want to watch the most. It's not that they only get the most visibility. It's just that people naturally want to watch the, the elites more. And that's okay. I think that the audience doesn't determine my value Like for me. Like I can have my my girlfriend watching or, or no one watching that and me being working out that I'm gonna be happy because because of the work that I'm I'm doing. If there was more people, great. But I understand that if we would want more people watching the other categories, we maybe we will have to do it another weekend, mm-hmm. a separate weekend. And how many people will move to Madison the weekend before or the weekend stay the weekend after to watch the age group and the adaptive? I don't know if that's possible. But again, I know that you have to choose. You have to choose and it's really hard to watch, impossible to watch everything. I think it comes down to, in the end, it'll come down to how many people can they move and how many sponsors are going to be interested to take care of the, the cost of, a, of an event. Exactly. Because and it's numbers. It's numbers. Like if which category gives us the, the most money? It's the lead. It's them who attract the most sponsors. And I think it's normal. That's why I want to do... I want to train normal. I want to compete normal because I think that way it makes us more attractive than I think this year. And, and when the, I think before the last event, they had the age group and the adaptive winners on the field. And uh, I think it was, I didn't like that moment because everyone was like yeah. clapping, yeah. clapping. And it's like, you guys didn't even watch it, an event. Why are you like the whole thing was clapping. And it's like, I don't want to pity claps. I want you to clap maybe because if you can watch we made you feel something but not on the side of oh look at them right we are here to compete also and and i want to be given the chance to compete to prove myself right to prove all those demons that i had through the year of training that well we can keep their ass but we don't move that much money and that's the truth and and it's, it happens in all sports it happens in football it happens in basketball it happens in tennis. It happens in, in fashion. There are certain demographics that move more money than others. And I cannot come and claim that on my first year at the games or at the second. I have to keep fighting. Maybe I won't see it, but I want those kids who come after us to have that. So I'm going to do everything in my hand for them to have that. And I don't mind having 10 people or 10,000 people. I'm, I'm going to do this 
because I want to leave a legacy behind. I don't want to just do a podium. I want to do way more because no one is going to remember that I, I did podium at the games. My family, maybe my girlfriend is going to remember, but no one's going to remember that Shaviosa win the games one day. No. And I'm gonna, it's going to be great for a week, a month, maybe a year. But even I'm going to remember that, that I won the games once because it doesn't matter. What matters is having a parent message you saying that their kid was you doing muscle ups or handstand walks or cleaning or snatching. And they were like, I want to be strong like Xavi. That's what matters. I don't think I have to ask you if you're signing up for next year's Open then. (laughs) I will. And I'm going to keep fighting for athletes to have the chance to show their work throughout the year. Because I work, I train twice a day for six days a week. It's exhausting physically and mentally for months. Then you have qualifiers, then you have semifinals, you have all those fights every day. I have to choose every morning to wake up and, and go train. And I'm not motivated. I'm tired. I'm like, man, there's days where I'm mentally devastated. But I wake up and go train because I know that that's what, what's going to make me better, a better athlete and a better person. And that staying in bed one day is going to take to another day. A negative habit that is going to break who I am. And I know that to build who I am, I need to show up today also and do that tomorrow again and again and again. And then when the games come, I want you to put the hardest challenges because I've been working for this. Okay. So who's the programmer for the adaptive athletes at the games? Do we write them now? Alex Inverback. I did have a talk with him. Not a really good one because he has his point of view and I have my point of view. And again, it's all about this fairness and unfairness that it's fair for some athletes and that it's not fair for other athletes. He says that it's not fair for one point of contact athletes. One point of contact is that athlete who doesn't use the other limb. Um, For example, we had a barbell workout. Uh, I'm going to put Victor as example because he's badass with the barbell. He has one point of contact only. And that guy can clean and jerk and snatch. And Alex thinks that if we had the same way, it would be unfair for Victor. So we're going to do dumbbell instead because we both can do dumbbell. And what I think is that, yes, it may be harder for Victor, but this guy can manage the barbell better than people with two hands. So there's one point of contact at least who can clean and jerk 105 kilos Woo. with one hand. That's so, amazing. <laughs> I still haven't gotten to 105. So is it unfair that, that he doesn't do Kenyan Jerry with, like, he can live more than me. Like, it may be harder. It might be unfair. Yes. But that's the beauty of our sport. And we shouldn't be taking the challenges out of the athletes. We should be challenging more because that's how we grow. If you never asked me to handstand walk, why should I train handstand walking? Why should I even try? You set the standard. CrossFit says the standards for the athletes. So I bet that next year, like a lot of people are training reverse handstand push-ups. I don't know, all these crazy things that they asked this year. You set the standard for all of us. And I think like the elite athletes, we deserve the opportunity to be given the hardest challenges. Because I don't want to settle. I never want to settle. I'm going to work on the dumbbell all year long, but I'm never going to stop doing muscle-ups, doing handstand walks, snatching with the barbell, clean and jerk with the barbell. I'm never going to stop that because I'm not going to let you tell me what I can or I cannot do. I'm going to determine that. So there's a disagreement. Hopefully, I understand 
that you put dumbbells in the open because the open is for everyone. The regular, the other, the normal open is, is like that too. But yeah. once we get to semifinals, I expect some level of challenges. And at the games, even harder. So anyways, hopefully this changes one day. I think there's other athletes too who, and I did a Life with Victor like a month ago and we were talking about this, like we need to leave another legacy. I cannot teach the kids who are coming behind that dumbbell cleans and, and burpees is all they can do. No, no, no. We, sh we need to show them way more. So I'm going to do this through my social media if I'm not given the opportunity at the games, but I'm going to keep fighting. And I know we're going to stop training like a normal athlete because I have my challenges, but I'm an athlete above everything. And I'm not going to settle for categories, not in my age, not in my, in my physical abilities or handicaps. No, no, I'm an athlete. So give me, give me the opportunity to, to show that. Punto. Atleta punto. That's it. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Chevy, for that incredible speech. And uh, like, it's really inspiring and fascinating as well to listen to you because I love how much you push yourself and, and also how much you're not going to just accept your life handed to you and you have made a whole incredible career and continue to do so. Congratulations, and I'm really glad to have got had the chance to speak to you today after our, after bumping into you in the airport <laughs> at, I think it was Dunking Donuts. <laughs> it was crazy. Thank you so much for, for the opportunity for listening to me this whole hour, and it was such an honor. I'm so thankful that I got to meet you guys at the airport. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Perfect, a perfect timing because I um I think that this is you and the and lots of other athletes that were competing at the games just don't get the the attention and don't get their stories told and I think that this to me it's fascinating and inspiring to to meet people that are pushing themselves to their limits and further every day so you inspire me to go and try go and be upside down I'll do it this afternoon I promise I'll send you a picture. I better watch your hands to walk in. <laughs> oh, mate, I'll be a while. <laughs> but I, I'll go and do some upside downing anyway. Thanks very much for talking to me today. Thank you. And, oh, how can people follow you on social? What's your Instagram? It's my Instagram is Xaviosa. It's X-A-B-S-A-B-O-S-A. And if there's anyone who needs any help, I'm really available. I'm here to help. So feel free to ask me a question or whatever you need thank you okay Shabby thank you I hope you guys smash those Guadalupe qualifiers thank you so much for your time if you've enjoyed the episode please help us out like share and subscribe it all helps get more exposure for European athletes until next time thanks for listening and bye bye don't miss the next episode subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.